0: And we are still in around acts three, so just want to recap a little bit uh to to sort of put it in the context so what was uh, what we looked at last time, what was happening here is that Peter and John had been on the way uh, to the temple, just going about what they did on a normal everyday business um, and in that moment, somebody stopped them and asked a question, and so they took that opportunity they just stepped in. In the moment, it wasn't a big deal in some ways, but the outcome really was a massive, life-changing deal. So this guy who had been sat there, it seems, for probably most days of his life, he'd been placed there to beg because he couldn't walk. He had been lame from birth. And um, as Peter and John stop and pray for him, hope breaks out, healing comes, and the guy is radically and totally and completely Healed, he can get up, he can dance. And so he, he obviously is going to be um, crazily full of excitement. Um, and so he follows Peter and John into the temple. Um, and it goes on to say in, the, in the, the story there, it just says, and I love this, it's, there's just so many sort of almost understatements in these passages of Acts. And I think what I love about that is it just says to us that this is the norm or this ought to be the norm of what we live and see. Because it says that um, Peter, seeing a crowd had gathered, starts to preach. So he didn't set about doing it. He didn't work up a a kind of a, you know, right, I need to gather people. I need to call people to listen to me. He just saw, again, an opportunity. There's people here. They're marvelling at what they can see. They've known this guy. They knew that he was lame, and now he can walk like This is mind-blowing to them. And so Peter stops and thinks, great, here's an opportunity to share life, to tell them the story of what Jesus has been here on earth doing and what he's called us to continue in. Um, So Peter takes the opportunity, and in that moment, what it says at the end of that story is that about 5,000 people come to know Jesus. So we're not talking a small crowd had gathered. This is a mob, (laughs) Like, this is a lot of people are hearing the story as people are shouting about it, as people are, you know, it's like they literally in minutes it's being gossiped, you know, from the temple, out into the courtyards. You know, matey boy, Billy, let's call him Billy. Billy's been healed. Billy, what, Billy that was by the gates? Billy that's always been lame? Yes, Billy, he's been healed and people started to gather. 5,000 got saved off the back of Peter just taking that Opportunity when it came up to speak about Jesus, but in the uh, course of that happening was, I think, it got a little bit scary for those that were kind of running the temple. Um, they did have temple police in that those days, or that's how it's translated, but guys that just looked after things to keep things um, operating well. And it says that um, you know they they got concerned. And there may have been a lot of reasons that they were concerned. It could have just been the size of this rabble and like we've got to calm this down somehow before it gets out of control. It could have been what they were hearing or it could have been what they were seeing. Um, but whatever the reasons were, they arrested Peter and John that night and threw them into prison. So what I want to do is just pick up the story from we're in Acts chapter 4, uh, it's in the New Testament of the Bible, if you've got one with you, or there are some around the side if you'd love to pick one up to follow the story, it will also come up on the screen. So we're picking up the story where they've been thrown in prison um, and they are brought before the court the next day. And this is what it says, um, the next day a meeting was called in Jerusalem, the rulers Religious leaders, religion scholars, Annas, the chief priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, everybody who was anybody was there. They stood Peter and John in the middle of the room and grilled them. Who puts you in charge here, they asked. What business do you have doing that? And I just want to, we're going to talk a little bit about this this morning, guys, but that question Who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing that? Guys, that is such the question of religion. You know, it's a question that religion and the the attack of the enemy will often come at us with. Who are you? Who gave you the right? Who put you in that place? Or some sometimes we can find ourselves wrestling with that question in our hearts when we look at other people's lives. What are they doing? You know, we look at kind of the way they live. And we're like, who, who allowed you to do this? And religion is something that we know over and over and over again, Jesus came to smash, didn't he? Which is amazing because otherwise none of us would have had a chance. It goes on to say, with that, so with that question coming at him, with that, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. So here they are saying to them, who are you to put yourself in this place? Who are you to stand? And it says, but Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. So here God is saying, I do. I back you. I fill you to be in this place and space and be to, to be my voice piece at this point and in this time. And there are so many times where we can retreat to those other voices, but it's the Holy Spirit filling us, living in us, who's the one that continues to call us into that place of identity. With with that, Peter, full of Holy Spirit, let loose. I love that. Rulers and leaders of the people, if we have been brought to trial today for helping a sick man put under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on the cross, the one God raised from the dead, by means of his name, this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone you masons threw out, which is now the cornerstone. Salvation comes no other way. No other name has been or will ever be given to us by which we can be saved. Only this one. They couldn't take their eyes off them. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves. Their fascination deepened when they realised these two were laymen with no training in scripture or any formal education. They recognised them as companions of Jesus. Um guys, I love the um Mary 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 is sitting. Mary, down there. um just I love the way Jesus spoke to Mary this week, hey, with those songs. Like literally, they couldn't have been more fitted to what Jesus has wanted to, to speak to us about on from every direction. Um the name of Jesus, the power in the name of Jesus, that there is no other name by by which any of us can be saved. It is only In his name. So, I want to look a little bit, um, as some of you will know, because I say this most times, I'm a big movie fan, I'm a big book fan. So, we always find ourselves somehow in the middle of a story having to go back or go forward to pick up what's going on here. So, we're going to go back today because there are so many, you know, as Peter and John are standing in this courtroom, there are so many. Fun kind of things coming full circle. There's so many fulfillments coming together. Um, they basically they're in the same court. The last time that Peter and John would have stood in this court or been near this court was when Jesus was on trial. The same two high priests who tried Jesus were the ones that were standing in front of them. It was substantial. It was essentially the same court that had tried Jesus, that had put him on trial, that had questioned him, and then that had charged him as guilty are the very same people that Peter and John were standing in front of. And I don't think that that, that would have been lost on them in any shape or form. So they, was, they were being brought before a court. They were on trial. What was their crime? So their crime wasn't that they had been preaching about Jesus in the temple. Anyone was allowed to do that. But the reason that they were being brought to trial was because that they had done a miracle in Jesus' name. So for them, that was considered at the time, for the Jewish people, that was blasphemy. Miracles could only and should only have ever been done in the name of Jehovah. And here they were proclaiming that it was Jesus, the Messiah, that had healed uh, the man and allowed him to walk again. So they asked him the question that, oh, guys, if we could just have that, that Acts scripture back up on the screen, that would be amazing. And they asked that question, who put you here in charge? What business do you have doing that? And basically what they were looking for is they were going to, you know, it was a quite a straightforward question. They, they essentially thought they knew how this was going to unfold, that how it would roll out. That they would, you know, that they would say that they had done it all in the name of Jesus. The priests at that point, or the court, would have rent their garments and they would have proclaimed them guilty of blasphemy. But it doesn't quite go like that. But in in asking this question, there are two things they're really trying to have a go. Like they really are trying to put Peter and John in a place um, way way beneath them. Because they, they say these two things. They refer to the the, um, the cure, by what power or in whose name have you done this? It was considered really disrespectful. Like really, they were totally rubbishing in their language what had actually taken place by not referring to the miracle and um, in, in the enormity of what it was. And then they follow it up when they say, you know, um, By what power or in whose name have you done this? And the way it's recorded is like this. The word you comes at the end of the sentence. And whenever it was put at the end of the sentence, it was done in order to call question on somebody's identity. So what they were essentially saying was, who are you, you poor, ignorant fishermen? Who are you to have done this? Who are you to be standing here? Who are you, you poor, ignorant fishermen? And so we have to go back, or I love going back at this point, to a little bit of the beginning of the story, because I think it just says so much to us guys about our journey of you know it, it says they were recognized as companions of Jesus, and isn't that something amazing? like isn't that what we would all long to be recognized for as we live out our lives as we love those around us? As we declare things in the name of Jesus, but for our own hearts, if nothing else, like to get to the end of it all and just and just know or have others declare, "Man, Angela, she was such a friend of Jesus. You know, that's what she's known for. And I think that's really beautiful. So let's go back to the beginning in Luke chapter four, five of Peter's journey in this. So in Luke chapter 4, it says that Jesus had been to Peter, Peter's house. And when he went to his house, Peter's mother had a really bad fever. So they had asked Jesus if he would pray for her. There's no record as to whether Peter was either there or not or was involved in that request. But anyway, she hadn't been able to do anything. they pray, Jesus prays for her and she is totally healed. So that's kind of the the little story that falls before the one that we're going to look at, and this is what it says. Once, when he was standing on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, the crowd, this is talking about Jesus, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them there and were scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that was Simon Peter's, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. When he had finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into deep water and let your nets out for the catch. Guys, this is where the invitation begins. Jesus begins to connect with Peter and invite him into something. Simon says, Master, funny, Simon said really, sorry, slip of the... Back to my childhood. Simon says, Uh, Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night. Or in other words, um, Master, we've actually been fishing our whole lives. Like, we're fishermen. We know our business. Um, You know, been doing this. You're a carpenter stroke stonemason. You know, don't you think we know what we're about Um, We've been fishing all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, and you kind of wonder whether there wasn't or could have been a little bit of sarcasm in there, somebody. Well, if you say so, Mr. Carpenter, (laughs) Mr. Fisherman will have another go even though we've been out all night and nothing has happened. Um, I'll let the nets down. It was no sooner said than done, a huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. You know, guys, where I want to start this morning is just to say, you know, Jesus, is not phased by that statement at all or that stance of where Peter is standing at that particular point. Just leave me to myself. You know, and I think we, we talk a lot about, we've been talking a lot about relationship and how, how we build authentic community with one another um, and sometimes I think we, we make it into something different with God. But, you know, we're made in his image. So the way we are built to relate to one another, I think, is so full of how we're built to relate to who he is. And in, in a sense, in this particular point, at, at this moment, you know, Peter's com- Peter is relating to Jesus with a guarded communication. There's a lot of walls up. You know, there's a lot of hesitation going on in Peter. You know, he's operating; he's got a relationship of some level, um, but it, you know, it, it, it's to a certain degree in his response to Jesus. But Jesus, it is not at all phased by the fact that Peter is in that place at that point. He is okay with it. He takes us, doesn't he, and meets us exactly where we're at. So many times we can get into looking at those around us and think, you know, my relationship with God doesn't seem like theirs. I don't seem to have as much to give as they do. I don't. God doesn't seem to be speaking to me like that. And I just want to encourage us all this morning, guys. This is a relationship, you know. It's not a job. It's not, a, it's not something that we fulfill. It's just like any beautiful relationship that we get to develop with another person. We get to journey with God, but man, in, in what different ways as well, because He's God. Um, but be encouraged <laughs> wherever you're at. It says, when they pulled in that catch of fish or overwhelmed Simon. You know, and I love here that Jesus does a miracle that absolutely relates to where Peter is at and Peter's world. You know, that's who our Jesus is, that He comes, guys, whoever you are. Whatever your world is, whatever things that you're involved in, whatever you love, whatever you are passionate about, however you relate to people, that's how Jesus comes and meets you in the beauty of that we can't compare or look at other ways and other means and other people to see how God wants to journey with us as his friends. It's so personal to each one of us. And for Peter, he meets him in this miracle because he knows that this is going to speak right into his heart. He's a fisherman. He has never had a catch like this in his life, and it's going to say something to him. The other guys that were with him were overwhelmed as well at what they were seeing. And then Jesus said this to Simon. And guys, you know, I just really want to tell the story in some ways because I think so often we can just miss the beauty of who Jesus is, the compassion of who he is. You know, how powerful he is, how kind he is in every situation to meet us where we're at. Because that's what relationship does. That's what love does. But this is in Jesus says to Simon, there is nothing to fear. But don't you love that, that that's his response? You know, he doesn't start pointing a finger. He doesn't say Simon. You know, because in lots of ways, Peter had at least known about the miracle of his mum-in-law getting healed. He'd at least known about it. But, you know, he wasn't in this crowd listening to Jesus. He hadn't positioned himself in that place. He was actually out attending to his job, busy with his life, looking at other things. And and Jesus steps right into the middle of that, you know, and he he meets him where he's at, and he says there's nothing to fear. And when it says fear here, it's not because Peter was literally afraid of him. The word fear is can also mean to withdraw from, run away from or avoid. So Jesus is saying, guys, you know, it, it, it might feel big or everything you're beginning to see about me, everything you know about me. And I, I, guys, this has been so challenging my own heart because, you know, it doesn't matter whether we've known Jesus for five minutes or whether we've known him for 20 years. There's still those things, aren't there, at times where, you know, he comes to us and we're like, oh, want to avoid that one. <laughs> Let's just get a bit distracted over here. Or, oh, that feels too costly. Okay, I'm just going to have my attention pulled over here for a little while. But Jesus constantly comes to us and says, don't be afraid. Don't be Afraid he calls us from the goodness of his heart, and it was from that point that Peter could respond and begin to step into a different space of relationship with Jesus. It says they pulled their boats up on the beach, left them nets and all, and followed them. However long before Peter had it says he had been cleaning those nets, you know he he was sort of avoiding Jesus to some extent. And when Jesus comes and speaks into that situation, where Jesus speaks into any situation we're facing, no matter how old or new it is, no matter how small or big, no matter whether we are starting to wonder about who Jesus is but don't really feel like we know him at all or whether we've been journeying with him for 30 years, you know, there's still that point where we need to choose as to whether we're going to keep cleaning those nets or whether we're going to just lay them down and say, I give you everything I'm in. And I think that, you know, the enemy so often wants to keep us back in that place, doesn't he? You know, of where we're facing that, where we are trying to avoid or we're afraid or we don't know quite what something's going to look like. We don't quite know how to put our trust fully Him and so, like those accusing voices in that courtroom, they just stand there and they say, Who are you? They were trying to take them back to the shores of Galilee to say, You ignorant fishermen, you should have stayed there, you should have kept doing what you're doing. You have no right to be standing in front of us, speaking in power and authority in the name of Jesus without fear and without concern. And, guys, the enemy knows doesn't he? That if we get into that place, if we journey in companionship and deep relationship with Jesus, that that's the potential for each one of us, is to find ourselves going from a place of being ignorant fishermen to people who can stand in the same courtroom in front of the same people that accuse Jesus and hold our own and stand in truth in that place. But for these guys, there was no going back. And so I think the question to us always, or his question to us, because it's an invitation and it never comes from a place of condemning us on something, it's always from a place of him calling us out into something. And the question is just always, how how deep do you want to go? How deep do you want to go? You know, Peter goes from this place at the beginning of standing on the shores where he is, man, he is in guarded communication with Jesus. like, this is our relationship, Jesus. You know, I'm going to give you this little bit and nothing more. And in relationship, we can, with one another, we can move from that place. We start getting to know somebody. And as Peter and John and the others journeyed with Jesus, they began to do this as they lived with him day in and day out. And they saw what he did and they looked at the way he loved people and they looked at his responses and they got to have a go at praying for people you know, it developed into a little bit more than guarded communication, didn't it? So they found themselves in this place of like everyday authenticity. They were kind of real with him along the way. That began to develop. They began to be honest. They talked about things honestly. They asked him questions and they continued to pursue him. But then we see there's another space where Jesus, when he's facing, um, that his death on the cross, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's there with Peter and John, his close friends. And it's in that space that we see this deep disclosure happens where Jesus shares his very heart and fears and anxieties and anguish over what he's going to have to do. There's a, there's a relational connection going on at that level where there's dependency and obedience being called and sacrifice, but they knew Jesus at that point. They had done this whole journey. And so they could go into this place of vulnerability with him, of deep relationship, of companionship, to find themselves standing in front of a court and being recognized as these are the friends of Jesus. And guys, I just want to encourage you this morning. It does not matter where you are. In that particular story, you might put yourself back at the beginning, like Peter, still cleaning the nets. You're aware of Jesus; he's kind of entered your world a little bit, but you're still doing life over here. But you're kind of wondering about him a little bit. Or it might be that you've you've started this conversation with with God, but it, it, you know, it just it feels like you're just beginning to wonder and it might feel a little bit like Peter fearful of I'm just not sure that I want to step into that I'm not sure that I I want to begin sort of you know exposing myself almost to Jesus and his ways and it might be that you're further in that journey of getting to know Jesus guys we can be so encouraged because wherever we're at in that he is so for us Like literally there is so not an ounce of condemnation in any of that journey because he just wants to meet us at the point we're at and then say, how much deeper do you want to go with me? And he wants to encourage us into that, guys, because there's so much more. And if we want to live that life full of Holy Spirit, declaring in boldness, seeing the miraculous healings taking place, seeing lives set free, seeing people coming to know who they are in Jesus, then we just need to know who our Jesus is so that we can follow him into all of that. And so back into the courtroom, and I think I'd I'd really encourage you to go away and just read and spend some time in that little Sort of, in a sense, you know, speak, uh, preach, not preach, speak. Um, uh, Andrew would know the proper word from a courtroom point. Defence, is that the one (laughs) where Peter gives a defence? You know, where he declares so much truth of who Jesus is and his resurrection life and, you know, standing there in boldness. And I don't think that, again, it would have been lost on Peter that the last time that he was in that place that all of his courage had drained out of him at the question from a servant girl. He's now standing in front of all of the authorities, the religious authorities, the important people who are asking him the same question that she asked him when he denied him, And and but Peter is able to declare in power and authority who Jesus was, why he had to go to the cross, that he had come to life again, that in resurrection life, we would all be able to find freedom. And that's how they knew that these guys were companions of Jesus, because they saw the same boldness in them that they had seen in Jesus when he stood in front of them. So when he calls us guys to live the way he did, it's it's not a pipe dream. You know, he genuinely means that Peter and John and thousands of other disciples and millions through through the centuries, as they've chosen to walk in close companionship, close friendship, being known and getting to know who Jesus is, choosing to live like him, asking him questions, you know, getting out of our boxes of what we think God is like and who Jesus is and allowing him to just blow our minds with a different way um, because it is so much bigger. And I just, I felt too to encourage you guys, you know, the victory for some of us, you know, I think, and this would be, you know, just where I'm still journeying in so many areas of my own life, you know, that the victory is not never living or facing or struggling with thoughts, difficult thoughts or temptations, the fear of man, anxiety, depression, whatever it is that we might, you know, the the the, the victory is not in those things necessarily going away forevermore amen that's that's not the you know the day that we can say i stand in victory the victory comes when we have the courage every day to get up and put our trust in jesus that he's got answers and solutions for today he's got breakthrough for today he's got a way through for us today and it doesn't mean that tomorrow we're not going to have to press in for that that, that same thing again. But, guys, that's the victory. That's what he loves is when we step out in courage, not when we step out in perfection. And um, when I was um, a little a younger person, a, a fairly younger girl, um, one of the things I used to do, I actually, it was like a physical. I literally would be sitting around the table. There were four of us kids and mum and dad. And if something happened, I'm, I'm a bit of a sensitive soul at, uh, at times, And um, if something happened, if I felt laughed at or if I felt overlooked, if if something triggered a a sense of shame in me or an I'm not good enough, I would literally, and I mean it was funny and it kind of sounds funny, but I would literally slide, I wouldn't get off my chair, I would just slide and disappear under the table. I physically demonstrated what Adam and Eve did in the garden when they were like, we need to hide. You know, what Peter was faced with, are you going to be afraid, Peter? Are you going to avoid me? Are you going to stay away or are you going to step in? And I would slide under that table. And I love that word of Ruth this morning, that there is a place at the table. But there are many days still, many days, where I have to get up in the morning and I have to choose to get out from under the table the battle to, 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 to put myself there again, to take on the voice of the, the things that the enemy would come at me with, to not stand in what Jesus says. You know, it, it's, a, it's often a daily choice for all of us to, in those, those things that that just come at us, but the victory, the victory is in that I can get to sit back at that table Because Jesus places me there and he has given me space. And whatever it is, that he says his grace, guys, is enough. In another book of the Bible, Paul talks about it. My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. And Peter, bless him, we love him. He still went on, even after all of these things. It wasn't like he had reached this pinnacle. He was now a companion of Jesus. It was all, you know, perfect. He still goes on later on in other points in the Bible and has to be challenged because he goes back into some of his old ways. He still gets it off kilter. And I think we need to increasingly stand into this place of there is no point that we reach. There is no line that we cross. Where we become, you know, followers of Jesus. We are all walking a journey in relation to Him. And we may feel far away and we may be up close and we might have been up close and we now feel like we're further away because it's just a relationship. You know, if I don't hang out with Ro for eight months, I'm going to feel a little bit further away of knowing what's going on in her life. But if I see her weekly, You know, I'm going to know what's happening. I'm going to know what's on her mind. I'm going to know what's on her heart. And that's what Jesus calls us into, guys. As we live this out together, as we're called to be an authentic community, he calls us to do it from a place of really deep companionship with him. Increasingly just getting to know him, loving what he loves, letting go of the things that he doesn't love and really loving those around us in so many ways. So I'd love it if, um, Mary maybe, if you were um, able to come and play that song again, because I'd just love us to have a little moment to respond. Because I think it is just always that question for our hearts, guys. How much deeper do we want to go? Are there things sitting in our hearts at the moment that would just keep us... I mean, we, we want to avoid maybe just getting up a little bit closer or allow Jesus in a little bit more into those places of our lives. And it's just a continue. This is not a, you know, it happens today and then we go away sorted with it. It's just another day in the every day of your life of getting to choose to respond to Jesus. There's nothing magical about this. But I think it always feels right, doesn't it, to give him an opportunity and for us to take an opportunity to respond to him when we've got them. So I'd love us just to please feel free to stand or sit and just respond to Jesus. You know, if it helps, we were learning yesterday about, you know, putting yourself in that story. And just allowing Jesus to come and meet with you, to speak to you. As I would encourage you as well if God is, is challenging something if you feel bold enough I encourage you to either turn to the person next to you and, and share it with them and pray together because there's something in declaration there's something we feel like we can do this all ourselves and we can do it on our own and we get it's between us and Jesus it's just about our relationship with him but faith is also a community thing he works in amongst us and just putting it out with somebody else who can stand alongside you and just acknowledge with you what God is 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 saying and blessing you in that. Just really encourage you to do that. So and just come and grab any of us if you would like someone to pray with you as well. But ultimately, let's just turn turn our hearts towards him, eh? Because Jesus is the only name in which we can we can be saved. And there's an invitation as. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you feel like you've never started that journey with him, guys, there is an open invitation Um, and all you need to do like Peter is to be willing to step through the fear um, and and respond to him and begin that journey of saying, "I, I want to try to follow Jesus to the best of the way he helps me to do.